0: Welcome to episode 200 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or Dungeon Master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I am full. Oh, with... so am I. We had a cake yeah, given one of our, to us by one of our listeners. One of our Patreons, veteran. thank you so much. Thank Big you. shout out to you. Sent us a, uh, a bumpy cake. A
1: Saunders bumpy a cake. A
0: Saunders bumpy cake, which uh, I think... Is, is, is that a native... That is a like, Michigan. Michigan native delicacy yes. over here. Yes, Um, So it is like a chocolate ganache over chocolate cake. But the reason they call it bumpy cake is because they put these thick ribbons of white yeah. cream over the top yeah. and then pour the ganache so, so it you leaves get those like little, speed bumps like moguls. On, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are little speed bumps on the top. So was, you know, hence bumpy cake. Um and to, man. To it celebrate is our two hundredth. So good. And he, he gives yeah. a little two zero zero candles. Yes. Uh, which was lovely. On top well, of it, so.
1: we'll post some pictures here soon enough. Yeah, you guys will see
0: those up on social media pretty but, soon. Uh, but yeah. Oh man, we are we are fat. We are sugared up. Yes. We are full. We are happy. Yeah. We are ready to go. We are in our two hundredth episode. Did you think we'd get this far? Uh,
1: I don't. You know. You know what? I'm going to go down to the question that got asked about this because it was, it was. I think it was. uh Nox in box. Yeah, yeah. Let me get all the way to. But geez, you wrote a lot today. I don't,
0: um, I don't know that I. F- thought we'd get this far, but then again, I don't know that I made a prediction of how far we would go, you know? So
1: so the question was, how do you think this podcasting journey has shaped you, either as a player, a DM, or a person? How specifically do you hope it helps others? Let's take the first one. I think that's a good opener for the show.
0: Well, I think the biggest impact on me that I've noted is um, that every, you know, it's the whole reason why, like, reading is exercise for your brain, you know? Um is that, uh, you know, staying uh, in with the, the RPG crowd and staying, you know, apprised of uh, different game systems, different ways of looking at things, and every single week we do an episode looking at a different aspect of the hobby, um, and that's just constant exercise for me. Yeah. And we're always doing something different, and so uh, I think I, I mean, just you know in in teaching the game to others through mm-hmm. 200 episodes of this now uh i feel like i've grown a lot personally because I've thought about th- different situations and different outcomes and different aspects of the game that I never would have looked at before, mm-hmm. but I had to write a 45-minute episode about them. you know? Yeah, and in a
1: way that other people would understand. Exactly. Which is much harder, even. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly.
0: So yeah. Uh, it's definitely taught me a lot, but because of teaching everyone else.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, uh, like, I had my mind kind of set on, like, where I thought systems were at and that, you know, where the camps of of people sat as far as what systems they play and how they played it. And now I feel like I've kind of gone through the college of of game mastering, like I, I went through middle school, you know, of game mastering and grade school of game, you know, game mastering, where in playing games, where like, yeah, 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 I know the basic arithmetic, I know, I know the odds of the dice, and whether or not I should be doing one thing, and the the ethics of playing a, a character who's you know rule stacked in a certain direction versus you know just a total narrative character, you mm-hmm. know, and and I used to actually say that I felt like juvenile gaming Mm -hmm. you know and then as you game more with groups you kind of mature into it but it's more really like a wine it ages yeah and in that it changes it alters port is a great example of that you mix two things together and at the beginning you can taste the difference and after 40 years it's a whole nother thing Mm -hmm. but like going through the podcast like i have an appreciation for a lot of systems now that yeah. I didn't before. I have appreciation for how they presented them. I think just that that simple line of games teach you how to play them doesn't just mean mechanics. Yeah. it used to in my in my head scan and it was it meant uh, it meant that oh, this person's trying to tell us that this game is about tactics because you have you have a finite amount of hit points, or this game is trying to teach us that it should be played in a narrative sense because uh, you're growing away from or toward your class or, mm-hmm. or, or abilities. But the narrative sections teach a lot more of that, or don't, depending on what the game is. Like In some cases, it's very blatant that the narrative is just setting. They're trying to make sure you understand the setting. Yeah. Whereas yeah. other ones, it's like we're not giving you the setting; we're giving you a, a basically a bunch of ideas mm-hmm. to create a setting. But we're concreting those ideas so strong in your mind that you can't not create your setting. You know, we're giving you every opportunity and every clue to spark your mind and draw you further into creating this world mm-hmm. to the point where some games almost like egg you on, like, "Hey, hey, you want to run me?" You don't just want to play me. You want to run me, don't you? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Just a couple tables. Gets you right in. Just a few of these tags. Look, you made a whole world. You want some NPCs? It's just a couple steps away. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Now you're running a game. See, yep. there it goes. And I like that. It's funny, but it's that's kind of where things are at. It's it. It's exciting. Like, mm-hmm. I like doing system spotlights with you. I think we complement each other really well. I think that was something that way at the beginning of this, I did not expect how well we would be able to do this.
0: Oh, how we would both find our own little niches for, for getting these shows together. and Yeah, and yeah. that we
1: wouldn't be strangling each other on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, you know. But, I mean, we do, We have our moments. Yeah. We definitely do. But I think at the same time, like, we can pump out a show in, like, 24 hours while tired. Yeah. Like, completely exhausted. We're like, okay, what was this show about? Uh, okay, we're talking about, you know, plots... Okay, what about Platinum? No, it's a 101. Oh, okay. All right, well, what do we, what do we, and like our, four hours later, we're like, and you're like building it up, we're done.
0: Our, our cross coverage is also really good. Um, yeah. It's so like occasionally when you're like, I'm swamped with work and I'm having a panic attack, and I'm like, uh, okay, cool, I will write the episode. Then, yeah, you, know? you, you literally
1: Cause... spit this one out, and I look through it, and I'm like, well, that's everything we kind of talked about a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm good. <laughs>
0: And and then you know there's other times where I'm like I'm busy at work and I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> yeah,
1: but what was <laughs> funny was like even when we were doing stuff way at the very beginning of yeah, everything, yeah. When we were back at the the it, when we were working in the uh, booths at um uh in uh Royal Oak, we we had very very little in our framework mm-hmm. of our shows. You can look we look back at some of the show sheets and there's like twelve bullet points maybe. No no con and we would. We would easily talk about it, yeah, sure. now we refine it and well, it's wonderful I think the, the
0: the biggest the biggest thing the biggest change there was that we were doing those at podcast Detroit, you know, yeah, and um so we had we had to adhere to an hour time limit because that's all we had the studio space for, yeah. so we couldn't run over, and now yeah. we've got our own studio space, it's like. Who cares if we do an hour and thirty minute show? You know, let's. I mean, sometimes
1: our listeners, but nobody's bitched at us about it yet. So. Yeah, well, exactly. Like
0: you know, yeah. Please we...
1: bitch at us. Come on, our Discord, bitch at us until start we start. Something.
0: Yeah, uh, tweet at us. Uh, yeah, do know, do something. Et cetera, but, et cetera. Uh Yeah, slide we... into our Instagram
1: DMs. Woo woo. Uh, but anyways, so that being said, I only have one other uh, like piece of news because it like hit me the other day. Like I was looking through our emails and stuff, and I was like, oh crap, I gotta respond to a bunch of people because. We've actually had people reach out to us for our shows. We have three shows coming up with ho- with co-hosts, with guests. Yeah. And they all reached out to us. And I was so excited to hear about it. Yeah. Like, it was wonderful. And, like, so we're excited. We're going to be bringing some shows to you, some, some wonderful topics and um, some new content. Uh, and sometime this fall, if everything comes well, we'll actually be doing a review before the Kickstarter final stuff gets shipped out we'll get to do that and we may actually have some of the creators on with us so we'll see how that goes because you know kickstarters are kickstarts it's always hard to know the timing on when things are you know publications get finished yeah definitely but they said uh, about six months cool. so yeah so i'm excited for uh, i'm excited for the future mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so tonight's topic yeah. we have a 202 we are we are deep diving again <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh, the two hundred two series. Once again, uh, in case you're kind of new or you know uh, just just picking the show up here, the two hundred two series is kind of a um, continuation of the one on one series we did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Wednesday of every month was our one on ones. Now our two hundred twos are kind of like we're deep diving a niche situation or. Rules interpretation, a or... concept we kind
1: of touched on in the in the one that we were like, we're not doing that. We're not going that deep. Right. We're just skimming the edge of that. That's
0: too deep for beginners. But we'll come. We'll circle back around. Well, yeah. this is our circling back around. Yeah. You know?
1: It maybe it's something you've thought about, but you really don't know how to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so this week we are talking about character driven plots, mm-hmm. and uh, now I wish to clarify that you know this is. They're kind of two different types of character-driven plots, mm-hmm. um, and this may not be the type that you think it is. Mm-hmm. So, typically, when you think character-driven plot, you're thinking like, okay, PC handed in a backstory where they said, you know, evil vampire killed their, you know, uh, their their family or something like that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so you make the vampire, if not the big bad evil guy, at least a villain, and mm-hmm. then you go and you fight him, and he feels better about it, and boom, done. You know. And that is a character driven plot. That yeah. that is that is a way to do it, and that's very good. Nothing incorporating wrong with your that. character's backstory into the into the main plot. That, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're talking about tonight. Not tonight. Tonight we are talking about the uh, the more specific and more difficult to pull off psychological character plot.
1: Yeah. One one that takes the depth of <laughs> takes one of the hardest things and one of the things we talk about a lot is listening to what your players are doing
2: mm-hmm. not
1: just what they present cuz I, I will flat out say it a lot of people will drop things from their character history on the table at session 0 and even session 1 and by session 5 they have forgotten who they were because they aren't the history they're not staring at it on a regular basis i'm not saying that's every single uh you know character out there and player But most have a hard time adhering to all of the details of the history that even they presented. Because they're not the history. They're the current uh, incarnation of what's going on with them. And current situations change that. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, even for you to use that information, unless it's very obviously from the beginning of the story that this is what the story is about, they may not have a recollection about it. On the other hand... If it's five or six game sessions in and you've noticed a trend, Mm -hmm. you can exploit that trend and examine it with them. Yeah. And that's really what we're talking about here. Yeah. That's the direction we're taking. We're talking about something that is, and, and I liked your terminology that used in this, is that it is a internally focused narrative game that shows us ones where the players are aware of themselves yeah yeah this is a very specific type of
0: type of move for a very specific type of story Mm -hmm. okay so first off um if your game is more externally focused as in you have a big bad evil guy that is the external force you're trying to save the world Maybe you don't have the time to devote to sitting down and going, okay, what is this character feeling?
1: No, it's not saying it doesn't happen. Right,
0: right, 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 right. right. And and, and but some, some narrative games you do absolutely have the time for it. I think
1: Critical Role is a good example of that. Yes. Where you get both large scale of story... And a lot of personal interaction. But again, that's a lot of depth from players who who love personal depth.
0: Yeah, sure. And, and again, you know, keeping in mind the critical role is a bunch of trained actors. Exactly, you know, exactly. Who who know how to explore these things amid an external threat. Yeah. You, know? Um, you know, if you've been watching Legend of Vox Machina on Amazon Prime, um, Percy's story was a very good example of that. 100%. They, they did have an external threat, but they did also spend a lot of time looking at Percy's mental state and where his conflicts were, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Grog was the same so thing. I would say you, yeah. so
0: you can do it, but it's more difficult. The more external distraction you have. Yep. Okay. Second off, um, make sure that your game is very narratively focused. Mm-hmm. Okay. If your care, if your game is just about killing monsters and not about telling a deeper story about your characters, um, And kind of exploring their desires and emotions, motivations, fears, hopes, dreams, etc. This sort of move probably won't work. Because it's going to feel very out of place. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, we're in the middle of a dungeon. Kicking down doors and getting treasure and killing whatever random monsters. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, but aren't you conflicted about why you're doing all of this? It's like, yeah, I know. Also, that's a weird
1: narrative change you know i feel that there's a lot of survival stories that do this um but you have to understand that like when you're dealing with a survival story um you know either you know the seven people trapped on a mountain kind Mm -hmm. of thing uh where it's like oh we're all stuck here surviving so we have to expose ourselves and the truths within us clue did a great job of that um you don't find when you are banded together in a tactical sense wanting to find shifts and grays between each other. Right. Right. Um, and and that's where things can get feel can feel very odd without there being a point of pause. Right. So if you're going to be doing tactical shifts, and I, I think this is a this is an example where if you've got a, a very militaristic story where it's we are we fight through so far, we then must relax and recuperate. And during the relaxing recuperation you you build story Within, and then you move through the tactical part of the story again, where the tactics is, is really just your journey. It's your travel time. Yeah, sure. Um, Mouse Guard does that very well. Yes, it does. Yes, um, it does. And so you have those pauses. It's during those pauses, those narrative heavy pauses, where you're really focused.
2: Yeah, little pauses. That's yeah. right.
1: Little pauses. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, that's the only shift there. But again, we're still talking where the narrative heavy aspect sits itself very forward, and the players are very much involved in it. Mm hmm. So.
0: Uh, all right, so here's the general idea of okay. this, this very specific move that we're going to deep dive. Yeah. Um, so we're going to describe it a little bit, and then we're going to show you a living example that I pulled off in my game. Yep. Uh. And... Uh, how that all went down. And we're going
1: to talk from both the storyteller and the player and aspect. And the player cuz yep. Rob's character was, was the, the, person. the target yep. of,
0: of this particular I this did particular not see it move. coming. <laughs>
1: um
0: at least not to the extent that I think I I I, no. I went into it. I yeah. was like we're going to we're going to look at your character's motivations a little bit and he was like okay. And then three game sessions later you're like I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: It made me really think.
0: Alright, so, uh, oh, uh, I want to shout out to Violent uh, Violent hey. Menace uh, in the uh, the the uh, live chat. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Uh, nice we've jo- opened up our live chat on the...
1: Uh, uh, for um, listeners as well. On the Discord. Normally uh, we have it for just our Patreon members, but tonight it's 200th, it's a special episode, come on in. Yeah, big shout
0: out, big shout out, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah. Um, um, Alright, so the general idea is to get into the character's head and have the struggle take place internally. Mm-hmm. Now... Don't take that literally. There's big caveats to struggle takes place internally. Yes. Okay. There's a way to do this. You have to use external forces to do it, and you have to demand external output. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of an interesting oblique comment. We'll get to it. Right. Okay. So uh, basically purely internal battles in a tabletop sense. Like mm-hmm. you can you can get away with that when you're writing a book because mm-hmm. you can spend whole pages, whole chapters of just the character's internal monologue, right? You can't get away with that in a tabletop game. Yep. You've got other players at the table mm-hmm. who need to be interacting with the story. Um even if that character is is talking out loud about what their character's internal monologue is, it's just not interesting gameplay for anybody cuz it's right. not interactive. Right. Um so Uh, Other PCs in the group should be part of the input the character receives.
1: I think this is one of the most critical parts of it, because it's not just you as the storyteller adding a bunch of NPCs that they don't care about. Right. It's about the PCs that they live and breathe with every day, asking the question, what are you doing? Yes. Um,
0: And so those PCs, especially because they are constantly present through this, and that um, presumably the PC that is essentially the target of this character focus is their friend, they kind of become the proverbial angels and devils on their shoulders. Exactly. Um, suggesting actions and reactions to them.
1: Yeah, there's um, there's only one cart left in the burning town that you've been loading with, with gold, and after you get settled up with all the bad guys, your ringleader jumps in the cart and says, let's go, and as you go to load the last barrel and you realize that in the back of the cart, the, all the gold is on the ground, and there's a bunch of orphans who have crawled into the dead space. Do you leave them? Mm-hmm. and somebody asks we need to get out of here get the gold and now there's a question
0: now there's a question which do you value more yeah mm-hmm. um all right so uh yeah by by demanding this external output yep you motivate action okay which changes the world around the character and allows the other players to interact with it yep. all right so how do i set this up first off First and foremost, talk to the player about their character, okay?
1: Communication is the key. Is the key. This
0: whole thing kind of starts out of character because mm-hmm. there's a couple of, like, a couple of things you kind of need to get past if you're going to get into this sort of deep psychological um, uh, gameplay. I would say
1: not even get past. There's some things you've just got to get through, which is like, is this okay? Yeah. Is this okay is a first one. Like, yeah. some players are not going to
0: be... Up for a digging psychologically into things because they just want to show up, you know, drink beer, eat pretzels, and and roll kick, some dice, kick down some doors, get some treasure, you know, sure. whatever, whatever story you're telling. Um, or pretend I'm a Jedi for an hour and a half a night, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but then also some players don't think that having their characters skeletons dragged out of their closets, um, is fun gameplay. Right. They don't want to examine their character like that because that's. Sometimes it's not fun to think about why, you know, an orphaned, uh, you know, person who grew up, you know, uh, in a a warrior tribe would want to go dungeoneering or something, you know. It's not fun to think about the motivations of those sort of things because sometimes a lot of these things are dark and icky. Mm Mm-hmm. And and it might hit on some traumas and whatnot.
1: And you don't necessarily know what they haven't put on the table or during Session Zero.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes, they, you know, they have no idea something's going to be brought up. And if you're like, hey, uh, how do you feel about orphans? They might just immediately go like, what? What are you going to do to orphans? And at that point, you would be like, absolutely nothing. Thank you very much. Yep. You know, yep. you know at that point that that's a, so- that's a subject that you shouldn't touch. Yeah. And you shouldn't even get near.
0: But all in all, though, um, I, I mean... Uh... Cautions aside, always talk to your characters first, or your, your players first. Um, and don't be afraid to do this. I do this on a frequent basis with my players, and honestly, I think I run a much better game because I have started having out-of-character conversations mm-hmm. about the characters and just what they want, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I know I've, I've mentioned this on the, on the show before, where you just, just ask them, like, hey, you know, how do you feel about this particular plot thread? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, not something, not something my character particularly cares about. He's much too <laughs> distracted by this other plot thread. Oh. Okay. I won't put too much energy into that thread then. But thank you for also adding that bit about the other one that you are very interested in. I will redouble my efforts, and I can think of three different angles. I can fork that.
1: Yeah, if you, you don't know. get anything else out of what we're talking about tonight, that bit of communication right there. There's two parts of it. One, addressing your, cust- your, your customers, your players about <laughs> what their character and they are interested in. And two... Being able to just shift to the left. Yeah. Immediately. hmm Because it's not going to be fun if you cram down your ideas down their throat. And that's that's disappointment on both sides
0: of the yeah. table. One, because you're giving them a plot that they're not interested in, so now they feel like they have Around to the engage least. with it. Yeah. But also because you're not going to get a good outcome from that. No, Why waste your time doing something that's not fun for the players involved, you know? Move mm-hmm. on to something else that is fun for them. Exactly. Um... And uh, you brought up an interesting point uh, earlier in the discussions. Is uh, you know, are what about like tipping your hand to your players?
1: Your your players aren't going to be tipped straight up. Like I'm going to flat out say this: unless your players have addictive memory and very Adetic. thank you, uh, and uh, immediately can recall that and then put all the pe- puzzle pieces together instantaneously, which honestly is grand. Let them mm-hmm. do it. They're not going to think about this. The moment they leave the table, they are done thinking about it.
0: I I have had whole discussions where you have helped me plan plot before, and you've still been surprised and blindsided by it when it hit the table.
1: Because it's not in my headspace literally until we sit back down at that game. Yep. I am am not there. I'm not interested. I open my book, I look at my notes, and I'm like, oh shit, that's right, this is what we did last game. Crap. Mm Mm-hmm. And... That is the truth. I I still, to this day, through every single table I've ever sat at, every session I've ever been through, all the ones that I've ran, I have never known players to have steel minds about things that are discussed. Ever. Even the ones who I know have steel minds and can remember all kinds of crazy details. Nope. It just isn't there. Yep. So don't, don't even let that weigh you down. Yep. All right. So... Next step, after you've gotten some information
0: from your player, you've gotten their Mm buy-in. Okay. Identify the struggle. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, this is the big thing. People are beings of contradictions.
2: Yep.
1: Okay. All of us do it. All of us have our own hypocrisy. All the time. And it's doubly so when you're playing a role, because oftentimes you present into your character a contradiction to yourself. Mm -hmm. I am not the big, strong fighter.
0: Ergo, I will play a barbarian in our next game, right? So that I can
1: pretend to be one, right? And I am going to contradict even the big dumb fighter on occasion with something smart. Yep. Okay, that sets a contradiction that isn't something that I put down because I am presenting myself through that character. But we're looking a little more
0: idealistically in this one. Yep. Okay. Now, there is contradictions, like you said, all over the place, but but look for ones in their ide in their in their ideals. Okay. Find one and exploit it. Did you say you want peace, but you solve things with violence? Mm-hmm. That's a contradiction. Yep. Do you say you want a quiet life, but you always skip opportunities to retire in lieu of more action? Yep. That's a contradiction. Yep. What's keeping you in the game? Yep. You know. Uh, do you say you accept everyone in spite of their differences, but still hold prejudice in your heart against a group? Yep. That's a contradiction.
1: Yep. You know, are you secretive, yet say that you're an open book? Yeah, that's a contradiction. Mm-hmm. Find it and find a way to exploit it. All
0: right, find or make external forces that pit those two against one another.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so. Basically, you want both of these things to demand their atten- their character's attention and action.
1: They have to like physically make an action, yeah, not yeah. just a
0: th- not just to think about it, right? But some, but something to demand action on mm-hmm. their part, you know. So we'll take the example of you know they want peace, but they all, all always solve things with violence. You know, have someone demand that they um, devote their time to say like resolving something peacefully. But then have another, you know, force pulling on them and basically saying, like, you need to draw your sword and deal with this right now or people are going to die. Right. And then, you know, that's that's the sort of thing that we're talking about, that it demands action but pulls them in two different directions in either side of that
1: contradiction. Right off the bat. But may, I often, like, and I what I, what I would agree, and we'll talk about this later, is setting that as a pace. Don't make it a long, drawn-out thing. Make it a simple action. Let them have their chance. Yep. And yep. do what they do. Just make a note. Mm-hmm. That's It's as simple as that. Don't belabor it. Don't make it an intense thing. You, the opening interaction for all of these types of things should always be swift. They should always, you know, you just examine what they have done mm-hmm. and present enough space for you to examine it. Yes. Bystanders are a great thing beyond the group. It is inevitable that you want to make sure that you, not just the players around them are examining it, but others. Mm-hmm. Is a key component to that. There's some other way to examine it. Exactly. Now, you want to make both of these choices attractive. Yes. Cuz if one of them is easy to say no to, it
0: isn't a moral dilemma. Right. It's just a simple choice. Take the better version, right? right? Yep. The other thing is positives and negatives help.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Not only should both choices be beneficial in some way, there should ideally be a negative aspect to not choosing the other choice as well. And it doesn't have to be complicated. What you are doing is essentially the trolley problem. Yes. You're putting both of their ideals on separate tracks and handing them the switch that diverts an oncoming trolley to run over one of them. That's it. That's the whole thing.
1: Yep.
0: Now, reinforce this choice through the story. Yep. Don't just sit back and watch the character pull or not pull. Ask them. Mm
2: hmm.
0: Constantly remind them of the, of the stakes. You know, if you pull that lover, this choice is going to be made, and these are going to be the consequences. Mm-hmm. I know. But if you don't,
1: these are going to be the consequences. I know. <laughs> yep. And and the thing is, is that the trolley problem doesn't have to, and I often like the idea that it starts as a very simple action where they've already made a trolley decision. Mm -hmm. They just don't realize that that was a trolley decision. Yep. And then later on, that trolley decision is reexamined in a different way. And someone just looks at them and says, we already made this decision before. Why is it so hard now? That's it. It's that simple. Because the stakes are higher. Because now we're thinking about it. Now we're now we get the time to examine it. Yep. And someone's asking
0: questions. And and all of this remind you is taking place in front of the other PCs. So all of them are going to have opinions. This is their friend after all. Mm-hmm. On what the outcome of this is going to be. Yep. And so you know, as as we sh- showed, and when I when I pulled this one off in my game, like you have PCs that have strong opinions. On either side of it. Yep. There were some heated art in character in arguments. Character. We were at very the table. careful. We were very there, careful. There, there was there was a giant f bomb that got dropped from your character that yep. you were like, "I look him in the eye, I stand up, and this is purely in character." F you. Yeah. I literally and <laughs> walked out.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Um, and then yeah, uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, have uh, in, just in case the the. You know, character th- gets too in their own head and stuff like that. Um, I I always find that having
1: others point out their contradictions to them, um, even especially if your players can't, and that's why I say having yeah. other having more visibility over this is great. Um, one of my favorite uh, kind of things about this is it doesn't just have to be pain conflict, social conflict uh, of status uh, is one that can be equally applied. Um, we're kind of talking about this in the sense of of someone making a death or life situation in this or that but it doesn't have to be it can be haves and have nots mm-hmm. it can be uh um it can be a matter of me or them yeah us or them so uh, always think about a weight scenario like that where it's where it starts out very clean but the the effects that ripple away from it are seen almost immediately the first the first point of the ripple hits and they they see that reflection for just a moment yep so that later on they can that that ripple becomes much stronger they know what's going to hit yeah yeah you know and that's it, we're talking about this very esoterically we're going to give an example so, we're going to work through that let's get into the example yeah so in your game in Tamriel we have my character yes um initially my character is a Uh, is basically a a kind of Mm -hmm. ex-military got out of it went into the church uh was was gift was given a gift by the gods effectively and didn't understand necessarily why he was chosen but he knew he was and it draw drew him into the faith yeah into a faith of mercy
0: mercy yeah it was the 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 god of mercy basically Mm -hmm. um there was a pair of gauntlets that represented him and uh they saved you and uh, one or two other people. I think they, you know, in a, in, a, in a time of dire need. Correct. And Correct. so you kind of took that as your sign, and you're like, okay, maybe I'll devote my life. to you know to, to to exploring what that meant.
1: Yep. You know? And so it followed that that faithful line which led me to being part of a, you know, of of continuing that with the Fighters Guild versus staying in the military.
0: Yeah. Um and so originally, uh just to just put some numbers behind mm-hmm. it, you were a healing domain cleric mm-hmm. in D&D 5th edition when we yep. first created these
1: characters before we switched over to Savage. Which Sabbath effectively Worlds. is, you know, as it moves into Savage World, really didn't change anything. Really. Yeah, it really didn't change much. Um so, uh, already we've kind of got this
0: inherent contradiction in your character. You're mm-hmm. a man of war mm-hmm. serving a god of peace.
1: Effectively, yeah.
0: Okay, so, already we've got these little seeds here, but I wouldn't say that's enough right there to just jump on and be like, oh, I gotta give this guy a moral dilemma, you know? Yep. Um, what really started to illustrate this to me was, like, in our very first session, um, actually, this whole thing kind of flared up. yeah. Um, we yeah. had a... Uh, <laughs> very simple
1: milk run of a of a quest.
0: Yeah, we had, we had a PC that um that uh the, the player did not stay with our group um for various reasons, but um their PC was a warrior. Uh and um you know, very very much in the hey look, I kill things. That's what I do. I'm a professional killer. You know, I I go out and I hunt monsters or whatever and I don't feel bad about doing that job um cuz some things need killing. Uh you guys came across some goblins. And your character being, you know, serving the God of Mercy decided that they were just going to, like, well, we have to show him mercy. I mean, he's surrendered. Well, they, We've They literally
1: him. surrendered to us, mm-hmm. threw down their weapons, and cowered. Yeah. I'm like, well, we'll tie him up. We'll get him out of here, and it'll be done.
0: Yeah. Uh, whereas the warrior was like, why are we taking goblins captive? They're monsters, you know? Let's mm-hmm. just exterminate them and go home. Um, yeah. you guys butted heads, and in the middle of this argument, he went, "You know what? I am going to solve this problem for you, and just lop the thing's head off." Yep. Um, it almost came to blows. You were so angry. I was. I was pissed. Um, now that party that PC, I uh, left the party shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, I put him in my back pocket as a future NPC, which is great.
1: I always do that. Always mm-hmm. do that.
0: Um, because I saw the heightened emotions, mm-hmm. and I knew that that PC would that npc then would represent those emotions to that you that moment yep so if i ever needed you to have someone that you hated i could pull him back out and stick him in various situations yep was a great example i had for
1: from yep you. yep
0: so later on then we end up with the uh, the bandit plot that that i ran um yep. talked a bit about that on the show earlier um bandits up in the highlands doing bad things um mm-hmm. In their initial foray into the highlands, there was a big ambush um, that the PCs not only survived but turned and and
1: and won. Um, they were using children in that one, which was another thing of like it was it was really a moment where multiple people in the group were quite angry at them.
0: Oh yeah, 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 I know, and it was designed to show you exactly how out of hand things had gotten. And up you there. you
1: had checked in with us. Like two weeks before this, like two two sessions before, like asking is okay if kids are involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and... I didn't
0: want to get too deep into that plot. Right. If that yep. was a if that was a no no for somebody, and, and we like, cleared it. Yep. So, um, and you know, no no kids were harmed. Mm-hmm. It was more or less they were handed crossbows and given ill fitting armor and then shoved into you know
1: literally shoved go into get camp. them
0: kids. And you could tell the kids didn't want to be there. They were cowering right. like and stuff like that. You know. So it was it was one part ambush, one part rescue operation because it was like save the kids, you know. Yeah.
1: All all happening um, in an instant.
0: In an instant. Uh so anyways, they uh they they won the encounter. They took one of these bandits captive mm-hmm. and your character proceeded to torture him for information by breaking his fingers. I did. I did. Um in fact, one of our other PCs had to kind of wheel you back and be like, "Hey, let's take it down. You're you're at a 10. We need you around a 7, buddy." mm mm-hmm, Mhm. Um. And then you set that that bandit free.
1: Yeah, we kicked, we kicked him on his way.
0: It was basically told, like, you know, go go west, don't stop until you hit Morrowind.
1: Right. Um. And yeah. uh, basically walk for a month. Never, we never want to see you again. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh. And then you know there was a couple other incidents. Um. Yeah. I remember one one discussion got a little heated and maybe got a little away from you guys where uh, you you suggested poisoning the water supply of a town because there were um spies in it. And I don't even remember what your I, lo- I don't remember the like, line of there, logic. There was, was a line of logic there, and I don't recall what it was. But but there were but there was a moment where like other people looked at you and were like, "Poison of the water supply," and you're like, "Okay, maybe that's a bad idea." Yeah, yeah. Don't didn't forget that it came out of your mouth. No, you know. Um, a lot of like when you got into combat situations, mm-hmm. you weren't in a defensive posture. You were in a very Uh, aggressive, righteous, angry, you know, sort of warlike posture, and just kind of generally a grumpy asshole.
2: Yeah, I mean... In a lot
0: of ways. Yeah. You know,
1: so... It was a a position that I actively... I I denoted in my character as Mm -hmm. I was doing things. And from my point of view on that, I made a note that I had two postures at all times. Mm -hmm. And there was always one or two tipping points. And those tipping points were always, is there... uh, when When righteousness comes forward, it should always come forward as anger because he doesn't understand any other way mm-hmm. um if those he believes are loyal to him are at harm or ones who are basically at the mercy of others are at harm, anger will follow it mm-hmm. you know um because it's always been that's always been his like trigger point mm-hmm. and so i just kind of kept that along and, and always wanted that thread to be consistent until it is broken
0: yeah yeah
1: so uh and so i just kind of i kept drawing that line again and again mm-hmm. uh, in different ways so that as i was like okay this still fits the character i'm still following that edict yep uh, that i stuck with myself because again he started out life in a kind of shitty place in the military. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, you ended a lot of baggage from it. And, I did, I, did. You know, I did. And, and again, I wish to, you know, point out that just because we're we're taking all this time belaboring the contradiction of his character yes. does not mean he was being played badly or anything like that. No, like, no, no. Again, it, we're all, all of us, Rob and I included, yeah. are people of contradictions. Constantly. I could point out three or four hypocrisies I live day to day, every mm-hmm. single bit of my life,
1: you know. Most of them are minor and we never notice them. Other people point them out and usually we say, hey, you called me out. And sometimes it's like, you should talk to a therapist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, And and it's the things we do, but we absurd them in gaming. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because we're doing this
0: for drama and not for, you know, therapy. Um, Sometimes. Most of the time. Most of the time. Uh, All right. So where does this whole plot twist thing come in? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So there was a little bit of setup to it. Yes, the very first one was Meridia's beacon,
1: which was so benign if and, and and ridiculous if you know Skyrim.
0: Yeah, if you if you played Skyrim, a new hand touches the beacon. Gotta hear that quest. You know it. You absolutely know it. Uh, I dropped this into his pocket at one point. Um, it was random loot that they picked up uh, along the way. Um, he could have literally just chucked it out into the woods and said nope. Rob and, almost and, did, and would have been done. Rob with almost it. did, but. I think you were curious to see where it led and I'm glad you did. Well, um, but again, you could have just done that and I'd have been like, okay, I guess that answers that question. And I'd have moved right on. With there it. would have
1: still been something else to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There, there, it wasn't, it wasn't terribly important. I'm, I didn't have these plans ahead of time. Okay. Right. It was literally just that, that would be fun to see if you pursued it, to see if you picked up Dawnbreaker. I kind of thought like if you did, it would be that like mercy versus warfare cuz Meridia mm-hmm. is a very militant force. Yeah, oh god, yeah. Um and so she would be asking you to go and kill things. Although they were all undead, she would ask you to go on the yeah, war Don't
1: worry, far. they're all really bad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that so whole concept. There,
0: there was there was kind of that idea of like, oh, this will be fun, you know, because you're supposed to be peace, but it's it, she's a representation of war, you mm-hmm. know. I wonder where that where that will go. But I didn't have grand plans for it beyond that.
1: No, right. Which is honestly, I will say from an outsider's perspective, a great thing just to have a note about, like l- literally just something that starts you to has a effectively a seed that you set to the side, a very simple seed that says this player does X. This thing shows that and presents why. Yep. That's it. You yep. can drop that at any point, at any farther point in the in the future, and just be like, there you go. There there's some story as it comes. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and it allows you to foreshadow some really nice things further down the road. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Um, all right, so step one. Uh he takes Meridias beacon to a shrine, uh, and the Daedric Prince speaks to him and says Basically, that uh, something vague about a growing darkness in the city that he has to resolve. Mm-hmm. Do not be more specific than that.
2: Mm-mm.
0: I didn't want to give you numbers or types of enemies nope. or what you had to do. Vague. It was go take care of the growing darkness. Yeah, because that leaves everything
1: up to inter- up to your interpretation yep. on how to resolve. What was funny was. Everyone else at the table had their own interpretations. Mm-hmm. They all wanted to know what this meant. Yup. Yep. And so every at that point, the whole group was involved. We all kind of kicked around ideas. But again, we hadn't been into town to look at anything, mm-hmm. really. So we headed back in to get more information.
0: All right. And then you have a cult that she told you how to get in contact with. Yep. You go through the little motions to contact the cult through these weird little back channels. And uh, they basically tell you that uh, you're the new exalted champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hand you a magic sword. They hand you Dawnbreaker. For killing undead. For, it is amazing at killing undead. It is literally the one thing the sword is meant
1: to do. To which almost everybody goes, oh, we're killing undead. Uh-huh. The problem of a growing darkness is the undead. Is the undead. We all kind of know about it. Um,
0: now, remember, we say this all the time on the show, if all you have is a hammer... Every problem looks like a nail, okay. Yep. So if you give a violent man a tool for violence and then ask him to choose mercy, you're already setting up an interesting, you know, moral dilemma for them. Um. So, we, we're setting the stage now. Yep. Okay. We've got our we've got our magic undead slaying sword in hand. We've told we're the chosen one, and uh-huh. we're told. There's something bad over there. You should do something about it. They get into town. People are going missing. There's missing persons posters up all over, like, the job boards and stuff. Yep. Guards are on edge. There's whispers that possibly soon the Count is going to institute a curfew because things have gotten so bad, especially at night. Yes. Why isn't the Count Hasseldor doing more? Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to do this. And then we get to the tavern mm-hmm. and we twist the knife a little bit. So remember how I said I took that PC from Prior and I put him in my back pocket so that when I wanted to make him angry I could pull him out? This she, is where I pulled him out.
1: She did. So I'm sitting there at the bar. <laughs> we're discussing within the group what we're going to be doing for the rest to kind of pull information together. I have this, I have access to this Sword of Killing Undead and there are uh, other things to kill besides undead in the area. There are, there are Fighters Guild takes that are going on. And in walk two members of the Fighter Guild and immediately pull up chairs at our table as if they recognize this because they do. They were at the bar. They saw you come in. Yeah. And have a conversation.
0: Yeah. And they were like, hey, Theodane, what's up, buddy? And it is none other than this PC from the beginning of the game
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and the bandit that they sent on their way after torturing.
1: The dude I broke the fingers of, yeah. He
0: did. He headed east, just like you told him, but he never made it to Morrowind. He only made it to the next town down the road named Skingrad, which is where you are now. Mm -hmm. Uh, He decided he would uh, hole up there, decided to go legit, joined the Fighters Guild too. Mm -hmm. So now he and the dude you hate are buddies. Yep. And they have a common... Let's call him a friend. Yeah. And and some stories to share about him. Yeah. Uh so the old PC guy buys Theodane beer and starts calling him Killer. Yeah. Just in an affectionate way though. Hey, what's up, killer? Let me buy you a beer. It congratulates him on getting over his aversion to killing sentient creatures. He genuinely thinks this is a good thing, because you've come around to his side of thinking,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yep. Like, now you two see eye to eye. Like, you're not going to argue anymore. This is great. This is absolutely great. I'm so proud of you for your character growth mm-hmm. in deciding that killing and murdering is okay. Yep. The tortured NPC is just quiet yeah. and just staring at his beer most of the time. And at one point, I think the... The NPC you hate nudged him and was like, hey, you haven't said much. And he's like, you broke my damn fingers. Yeah. What do you want me to say to him? Yeah. I don't like him. I don't want him sitting here. Yeah. Just so that I could, again, twist the knife that you tortured this guy. Yep. He lived. Yeah. Congrats on the mercy. Right. But you tortured him first. I did.
1: I did. You know? Yep. So. So from my perspective, having this all in just one scene, one very simple scene, I had a hard time. Like as a player, figuring out what I was going to say. I was blown away. Uh, it was exceptionally uncomfortable, and everybody at the table is 100% transfixed on this. Because uh-huh. they were all involved in all of those moments. Yep. And it's just this kind of jaw-dropping scene. Because they're all like, What is
0: he going to do? Like, is he going to flip the table?
1: Yeah, and, <laughs> and eventually it just kind of fizzled out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, I'm glad that asshole's out of here, you know. And, yeah. And it was just like, okay, things are getting examined, <laughs> but everybody kind of had a meta opinion of what just happened, but there was very little said between characters. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was a pretty quiet moment, but I think everybody kind of knew what had just gone down. You know? Yeah. It was a call out, without a doubt. It was a call out. Uh, now this—the thing is, okay, so all of that sets the stage in three ways. All right. First, the growing darkness is very real and needs solving very quickly. You saw the missing persons posters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a curfew that's going to be instituted. Like, clearly this town is in danger. People are going missing. They're probably dying. Yep. All right. This sets a sort of doom clock in...
2: In terms, yeah.
0: You can hear it ticking, at least in the background. Yeah. Um, There's an event that's going to occur regardless. This makes you feel very bad about the violence while presenting you with a situation that could be solved by violence mm-hmm. with a very violent weapon with a very violent weapon. Yeah. Um, so now you're like, Oh, these guys think I'm a killer, man. I hope they don't mind that I'm here to kill. Th- oh,
1: Oh, they don't mind. Yeah. They don't mind.
0: Yeah. And then three, all, like you said earlier, all of this happens in front of the PCs. So they're there to provide input for me Some are going to have your back. Others are going to be hesitant. And now you have your angels and devils in play because when you lean on your friends, you're going to be not only being pulled by the plot itself, but pulled by your other PCs who see you having this dilemma.
1: And internally, my character is being pulled in two very different directions. I have a god of mercy who's trying to – who has said nothing. They mm-hmm. say nothing. They say nothing. The Adra don't talk they, to they, you. And, and guidance from them is fleeting. Mm-hmm. Where I have a very uh, a very vocal Daedra telling me exactly what needs to be done in a vague way in a in the vaguest of terms yes. yes you know because they can't actively affect Mundus but by God they will put every ball into play yes they will to make sure that it'll happen eventually Daedra love manipulating mortals mortals they so running through my character's head immediately thereafter is, holy crap, we have vampires. We have vampires. Vampires mean we have people being turned. So now I have the new dilemma of, can I save them? Am I killing people who are missing?
0: Yeah. And this isn't like, I didn't want to give you zombies, because zombies are like, they're old, they're rotten, they're already gone. Yeah. You don't feel bad about killing zombies, but like... Vampires still kinda of look and operate like people, especially in the Elder Scrolls. They're ver like vampires are sentient. Yeah. Now most of the ones I gave you were called blood fiends, and those are like feral ghouls. Right. So right. They, it that did take a little bit of the, 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 the I didn't want them to be a huge focus. They were a weapon, not, you know, people I wanted you to necessarily focus on. Mm-hmm but they still had names there were still yeah. missing persons posters up for them they were still fresh enough
1: that m- m- living people were missing them yeah and as we as we progressed to get the depth of the plot we had to move through them yep and that was just heartbreaking yeah. moving into it the group moved in realizing what had to be done encouraged me to recognize what had to be done Right up until the point where we found someone who needed to be saved, who had a chance. Yeah, it
0: was an NPC that um uh, I had to invent on the fly actually because you you asked for like an NPC contact for the cultists. Yeah. Um, before you actually made like official contact with them, you mm-hmm. kind of wanted to like talk to them and be like, "Why do you worship Meridia? What do you see in her?" Right. Just to kind of you know get the vibe check for like, is okay. she is she as awful as people say, or you know. is she you know she got yeah, rid are you all bullets.
2: brainwashed? Right,
0: yeah. right, right. Um. And so, like I said, I didn't have her in my notes at all. Um, She was just someone I invented so that you could have that conversation, and then uh, everybody kind of felt a little attached to her, so I had her be the next abductee.
1: And you invested other NPCs in her so that they were worried. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because she wasn't just a random NPC. When she went missing, her absence was felt. Yeah. And the last person she was seen alive with was you, so Mm -hmm. they came looking for answers from
1: you. Which was a whole other great scene, but we won't get into that. Um, So... As we move through these vampires and save who we can save, we quickly discover that not only are these vampires here, but also the Count himself is one. Right. He is diseased and trying to find a cure for him and his wife, who is effectively in a coma. Yes. And he has created the monster who are creating the monsters.
0: Yes. So We he... don't know how,
1: but we know that those two steps are clear. So you've got
0: two vampires. One is a good man who did something well in quotes
1: a good man well I, I, okay at that point
0: the the thing is the thing is is a I, I i put it out there that he was a good man yes regardless of how much you ignored about that and you did actively because he's noble and your character hates no correct okay. correct but even the leader of the thieves guild told you no i like the count Right. He's a good man with good policies who does good things for his people. Right. Uh, He's also the law, so he's my direct opposition. But, like, I don't want a different person making political decisions for the city. He's good.
1: Right. He's doing the
0: right things. He's compassionate, regardless of the fact that he wants me in his stocks. Right. You know? Um, But he made a horrible mistake, and he created this monster. Yes. The monster is a very bad woman. Who is, for righteous reasons, because she was, against her will, turned into a blood-sucking monstrosity, now on the righteous path to vengeance.
1: Yeah. So... Who, which is the other other screw of the turn, which is that, like, you shouldn't be fighting me. We should be fighting him. Exactly. Like, you knew I hated him for being this as just an extra thing, but the fact that he was a lord who basically made decisions mm-hmm. that had to be made so as a player I'm spouting off the fact that I have a vehement hate for this guy mm-hmm. everybody at the table is just like okay well he's a lord yeah he's a vampire you know we don't know what happened there I'm like well he's a vampire who created a vampire like there's a problem here yeah, secondly we, we have to kill him and he's like he's, he's, he's also he's count? also a shitty lord which brought us to the the fu moment of things where our local noble in our group was just like, yeah, he's the count. he can do what he wants.
0: Like, you, he, he just thinks he's above the law. Well, he kind of is. He is above he the law. He literally makes the laws. This is county Skingrad. He is the count of Skingrad. Yes, there math- we go. mathematically that's how this works.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? and the answer was like, okay, screw you. Right. Like, you're right. missing the point of the conversation. Are oh, just
0: gonna take his side because he actually is right? <laughs>
1: well. Yeah. Um. I-, I I still hold firm on the fact that we were dealing with haves and have-nots in the conversation.
0: Nothing Thelian uh, said
1: to you was objectively incorrect. No, I I never said that. Yep, yep. But I also said that he was a dick for saying all the things that he said. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You know, maybe
0: not what you want, what you needed to hear at that point, but nothing he said was objectively incorrect
1: correct correct no um, we we cleared through that <laughs>
0: but but I, I for 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 the listeners though i i i want to you know specific- can you can
1: you feel it by the way
0: <laughs> <laughs> i want to specifically point out though yeah you can you can tell the emotional investment even all this time later he's no, still, it was great. Like, heated about this you know um but i want to i want to point out that the important takeaway from there being two vampires mm-hmm. is that i put a little bad into the good one and a little good into the bad one so that it blurred the lines okay yes. the trolley problem doesn't work if there's an objectively correct choice correct and so what i needed to do was hand him a tool of des- destruction and ask him which one doesn't get killed if if either do you kill both do you kill neither yep do you kill one and not the other why mm-hmm. you know yep so now we've we've baited the trap and we've we've set it mm-hmm. okay and you're officially in the trap now. Oh, I want to be in the trap. Bees, bees in the trap. Yep. Uh, so, how do we play this out? Both vampires are undead. That makes does that make them evil, or does their sentience and ability to restrain them thirst give them leniency? Mm-hmm. Count Hesseldor is a good man who made a horrible thing. Does that condemn him? Yorda is a condemned murderer but was defiled by the Count. Does that make her right enough to be aided in her crusade for vengeance?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Meridia clearly wants you to slay all undead because they're impure monsters. Mm-hmm. Stendar asks, asks that you choose mercy and compassion. Which higher power are you going to listen to? Do you try to please both?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And what choice? And what will your choice make you become? What long-lasting consequences is this dis- decision going to have on your own soul? Yep. And I will say, at the end of this, you almost retired your own character.
1: I almost did. Yep. I almost did because my my thought was, I literally didn't know exactly what I was going to do right up until the last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like literally in the last minutes when we were going to like the the final episode of that of that arc. I, uh, we walk into his, his effectively home.
0: The castle Skingrad. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: And that, from that point forward, my brain was stuck on, like, when this is over, however it ends. I will have still killed the count of Skingrad. Skin yeah. Yeah. And possibly his wife.
0: Possibly his wife depending on what happened there, yeah. Yeah,
1: and then you, you turned it again. You you, you 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 drove the sweet steak of he's a good man mm-hmm. all the way by walking me through his home knowing full and well that I'm walking around with the blade that could kill him yeah i wanted to reinforce
0: because i i i I vibe checked with you before this game okay and again constant communication okay i wanted to know where your head was at how you were feeling if you were still okay with me dragging all your character skeletons out into the open Mm -hmm. and stuff like that you know whatnot but also like what you were thinking what you Mm -hmm. were planning in the future so i could kind of plan around that um and you were really, really on the hype train to kill Hasseldor. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like you absolutely just wanted to start just murdering vampires all over the place and just be done with it. Yeah. Um, And so I did two things uh, in that final scene, in that final confrontation. Uh, Hasseldor more or less invites you into his home, uh, tells all the guards, like, when these dudes show up, don't stop them. Um. Because if if this violence is going to happen, I want it to happen here, and I don't want any collateral damage. Mm -hmm. None of my guards should stand in your way, because they they don't have to pay for what I did. Right. You know? Let them in. You may have to clean up my blood later, but Mm -hmm. it's fine. Yep. Okay? Second thing he does, he hands a letter to the um, leader of the Mages Guild. Yeah. Basically exonerating you of his murder basically saying yeah look i'm a vampire he was a vampire hunter i made a terrible mistake that warranted my death please don't hold him accountable for doing what probably should have happened a long time ago
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um he's only doing what when he needed to Mm -hmm. um and then lastly he took you he's like okay look you you might be here to kill me but let's call a truce for like Five minutes. I want to show you something before you make that decision. Mm-hmm. And if after seeing this, you still want to stick a steak in my chest or whatever it is you're going to do, mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. But I want to introduce you to my wife. Yep. Who is lying in a, in in a, in state, basically. In
1: a crystal, you know, c-
0: casket. Cover, it was the Dr. Freeze moment. It was beautiful, was Or honestly. Mr. Honestly. Mr. Freeze moment. It was the Mr. Freeze
1: know? moment with, like, in, in an alchemy lab, but in this beautiful, like, sepulcher set for her. Covered in flowers
0: in yeah. wearing a beautiful dress just lying there, sleeping Silently peacefully. sleeping. Yeah.
1: As if she had never changed for all this
0: time. And he's like, I'm doing this all for her. And all this alchemy equipment you see and all these tomes and all the, the stuff that I've been doing with the Mages Guild behind everyone's back and stuff mm-hmm. like that is to try to find a cure so I can give her the rest she deserves. Yeah. And you're like, ah. <sighs> Shit! I can't kill you now. <laughs> oh, you're a decent person with compassion in your heart. But,
1: and all he asks is, make sure you kill her too. Yeah, and yeah. That just it's swift.
0: Make it quick. Make it quick for. Yeah,
1: her promise her. me that it will be swift for her, so
0: that she doesn't suffer for, for for my mistakes.
1: And it was like, of course. Like if that's gonna like in my brain, I was like, I can agree to that without without making other decisions. I can agree to that. Yeah. And then we we have this fight with Yorda. Which ends with her vanquishing. hmm And we're all left there in the middle of this room, effectively, like, in a circle, with the with my group basically slowly going, like, yeah, we're going to go check on people outside. Right.
0: We're, we killed the bad vampire. It looks like our work here is done. We're going to leave you and the Count alone, because we don't want any part of this. Yep. Hope
1: to see you soon, buddy. Yep. And... I basically decide to leave him. Yep. And he tells me to get the hell out of his house. (laughs) He's like,
0: are we done here? And you're like, yeah, I need to get the hell out of my castle.
1: (laughs) Which was a great, which was a great, and I think it was a good break. I think it was, it was a comedic and yet not comedic break. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, from my point of view, there was all of the trappings and remindings. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the keys to doing these things properly is to remind the player what their original thoughts and decisions were. Yeah. Like yeah. you made an act I made an active decision to be uh, a follower of Stendar, uh, Stendar, one of mercy and compassion. yeah so yeah. you you would constantly hey, here's the trolley here are your choices mm-hmm. I'm gonna remind you with this sheet of paper mercy and compassion is what you wrote those are your handwriting. yeah Rem- just remember that's your handwriting okay yep. Go ahead and make a decision, I dare you <laughs> yeah like but Rob. This but, is what you wrote down. Yep. Remember this. This is what you wrote down. And that's that is really the key to all of this. And it is we say it's a 202 for a reason. This is not easy to pull off. Not
0: easy to pull off and it is very much a niche situation. Yeah. This is not a do this in every game. This no. is not a uh you know uh, try this in your next dungeon crawl, you know.
1: Yeah. We we've had moments like this in smaller applications mm-hmm. that have happened in multiple places i made madeline the bloody yeah because your character was leaning toward power mm-hmm. and i reminded you what power means it means being the big dog and everybody fearing you yeah it means being feared and
0: not respected yeah and my character kind of leaned into that and was like okay if feared is what i need to be yep feared is what I will be and you were like okay cool you made your choice
1: yep and And here are the repercussions and I I kept those moments and and shifted things in that direction and sometimes it's as simple as that but the the hardest part and it's always the hardest part of doing any of these things is making sure that you have you have the buy-in from the player Mm -hmm. that their character has is making actions on the decision and that you remind the player hey we're doing this I'm not going to tell you what's going on. I'm not going to draw things out for you and, and give you a pain line, but this is happening and see their reactions in comfort or l- slight discomfort with the situation, but yeah. excitement like, like a roller coaster. And then that final payoff moment of you've made your decision. I'm going to walk away and let that decision sit in, in you. Yeah. Don't, don't go back and dig harder. There's no reason to Yeah. move on, find another player, find more plot, let them stew and enjoy the meal that was set forth. They're going to need a break after oh, that. Oh, God, yes. They're going to need a break after that. Yeah, um, I definitely did. I definitely did. I literally wrote a letter to another NPC basically saying, you may not hear from me. Yeah, yeah. Because I might be on the run. By
0: the time you read this, I'm either going to be dead, captured, or on the lam for a good long time. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, now, I, I will I will add two other things at the end of this discussion here. First off... um to keep things going if one if one side of the decision or the other starts to become too crystal clear right don't be afraid to adjust on the fly to blur that line again yeah um for just,
1: instance just don't do it ridiculously
0: after your encounter with Yorda you um uh when she revealed that Hasseldor was the one that changed her
1: mm-hmm.
2: you
0: were like Hasseldor's a vampire oh screw that guy we-. oops sorry we, that was a lid of the teapot falling yep, yep, we're off. We're all good. A, we're all good. Tried to refill my tea here.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. Uh. Hasseldor is a vampire. Hassledore is a vampire. You're like, oh hell yeah, we have to kill that guy yeah. now. Yeah. Um. And I thought, you know, it's going to be too easy if you if you just decide like, oh yeah, no, no, we're just going to kill Hasseldor now. That was all the evidence we needed. Was the bad guy telling us that that was, mm-hmm. you know, he's the real bad guy. So, uh, next session I introduced, um, her crew. Mhm. Her there was a, a bunch of mortal, you know, mm-hmm. uh NPCs that were essentially working as her as her little like criminal retinue, yeah. criminal retinue. Um and they were shady as
1: heck. Yeah, super shady. Super, super shady. shady.
0: And like apps actively unsettled you guys. It really did. Um and then uh at a um a candlelight vigil for the victims of the vampires. Yeah. Um they uh uh, Yorda shows up and starts giving a speech about how awful Hasseldor is, and her people are seated throughout the crowd, and start whipping the crowd into a frenzy and turning it into a riotous mob
1: to march on the cape. to
0: march on the on the count who had come into town to visit. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, things went south very quickly, and so it was like one of those situations of like, oh, okay maybe we were on yorda's side up until now mm-hmm. but man is she using some underhanded tac- uh, tactics orchestrated by some very shady people
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know maybe she's not the good guy that we think that she is mm-hmm. you know so again blurring the line and what was hasseldor's part in all of it nothing he was innocent yeah he wasn't doing anything he was doing the responsible thing
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know talking staying calm keeping mm-hmm. a level head mm-hmm. so don't be afraid to go back and blur the line um yeah. The uh, second thing I will say is we talk a lot about consequences. Yes. The consequences of your actions. Make sure that, you know, this is a moral dilemma and we're going to show you the consequences of the choices you've made. I wish you to understand that you should not punish your player ...for making these choices.
1: The word consequence is not punishment. Yes. Consequence does not equal punishment. And and if you can understand this, there's a lot of games that use the word consequence. They don't use the word punishment. Exactly. It sounds like it's punishment, but that is not the case. Just because you missed a roll, there is a consequence for missing that mm-hmm. roll. It doesn't mean your character takes 10,000 damage and falls off the cliffside. It means they're still hanging under the cliff, but they lost some gear, some important gear. Sure. That's a consequence and when I when I
0: walked into this, I mean, the very end, up to the very end of it, I did not have a "quote unquote" desired outcome. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a good or bad choice Mm-mm. that you could have made. Mm-mm. If you, that's why I went out of my way, you know, to write that letter to exonerate you of Hasselblad's murder. If you mm-hmm. did take his life, which I
1: didn't know about till the very end, but there was an assumption because
0: I didn't want you to have to retire a character because I put you in a bad position to have to make a choice. Right. I was just there. The only consequence I wanted at the end of this of this whole thing is to make you look back at your own character and go, Wow, I had some stuff to work out there. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. If you'd have if you'd have murdered them both, and probably his wife as well, you'd have had to just live with that. That yep. was the consequence. Yep. That was it. Yep. What did it do to your soul on the way through?
1: Yep. Yep, exactly. But
0: no, you don't have to retire your character. I'm not going to have the authorities after you. Nope, and nope. you're not going to get anything taken away from you or, you know, anything. your, your character's not going to die. Mm-hmm. Just just think about what you've done. Yep. And while you're thinking about it, we will move on to some
1: questions. Yep, exactly. So Nevim asks, is a character-driven plot the same as having a scenario focused on one or two characters? No. No. No, it is not. Character...
0: Well, y- y- yes well, and no. Can, I mean, it really it depends on be, what you but... de- what you define as a character driven plot. Right. <clears throat> in In the rawest sense, yes. In the sense we're talking about here tonight,
1: eh, not really. But it is required. The character character's action is required. Yes. And I think yes. that in that sense, it, it is driven in the sense that you demand action. To have the results. Mm-hmm. To have the consequences. Yes. So, should scenarios be only composed of character-driven plots?
0: I mean, there are games like that.
1: There are definitely games like that.
0: Um, I, I think a lot of the World of Darkness stuff that uh, that I remember being ran was very character-centric because... Um, a lot of it was uh, World of Darkness touts itself as a game of internal struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, you know, warring against the beast within, you know, yeah, and and a game of personal horror is what it was labeled as.
1: I think. Um... Urban Shadows mm-hmm. is very much penned the same way. Yeah, sure. The sure. scenarios are there. You know what's going on in the city. The question is, is how is it affecting you?
0: Yeah, exactly. And with the corruption mechanics and stuff like that, it arguably does that internal struggle a little bit better than humanity and vampire ever did. You know,
1: I, I agree. I agree.
0: Um, And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say, uh, I think saying should scenarios only be composed of character-driven plots is too absolutist. But depending I, on the
1: game you play, it can be. I will read it as this. Should scenarios be composed of only character-driven plots? If the scenario includes a character-driven plot, the answer is yes. Oh, I understand. Okay, should it be the only thing on the table? Yes, you should not be bringing in... It should be a pause. Uh, like, it sh- If <laughs> it should be an interlude that interjects the pot- plot. So if your plot's about killing a dragon and one of your characters needs to handle is having a, a, a personal scenario, it should be involved within the overall plot, but the overall plot should not be interjecting it. It should be its own thing. That is my, that is my statement, because you don't want to confuse and blend too hard. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to disagree with you because I pulled it off the table. Mogrub
0: Grouzguk. Was a personal plot for the Mad Elf's character. Yes. But was also the external threat for the entire rest of the group. You can do it, but you just have to make sure that those two things don't interfere with one another. The big thing is concurrency. Mm -hmm. Okay? You guys were going to fight Mogrub one way or another because he put himself directly in the path of your, you know, of, 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 of your group. But... One of the characters at the table had a personal stake in punching him as hard as he could in the face with a
1: fireball. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that statement. I'm not going to say that that's not a personal plot, but it's a very straight line. It's a very straight line. It's a very straight it's line. A very straight it was line. an extraordinarily straight line. It was a line. revenge plot. But, but you yeah. can
0: but you can do it. You can do it, You, you it, can yes. do it. You just yes. got to make sure that those two lines run concurrently. Yeah. That's all.
1: Yes, and the problem that you have with creating conflict between the players, meaning some players who are okay with something, tro- trolley track A versus track B, be within a character if that's intertwined with the main plot can really tear a group apart
0: oh yeah because well it's difficult to have agency when you've got an external plot that needs to get resolved but then you start throwing moral dilemmas at them you know yeah of like well should we even be doing this yeah
1: if Mogrub wasn't the was a bad guy at one time and now was doing something to help and half of the group says, we have to kill him, and the other half of the group says, we need him for a bit longer doing what he's doing. Yeah. Now you've created a very serious table problem. Yep. Yep. So, and that will tear a table apart. You yep. don't necessarily so want that.
0: Probably should care, should focus on one or the other unless you can get them in- concurrent with each other. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, next one.
0: I've prepared my plots on one character, and sadly, the player on last minute call cannot make it to the game session. Or, in our case, gets to the game session and then gets a call from work. Yep. Uh, how can I save the upcoming game session, and what can be done to avoid such a situation? Uh... Number
1: one, I-, I will say this this happens all the time. Yep. The best thing that you can do in any of these situations is is the, the stuff that we had we, I think we talked about this in a previous show. Um, one of the previous shows, we've had a number now, um, is that you you have your your standard, which is the pull a side quest together. Have things can get delayed. No matter what's going on, delays can happen you know whether you're about to step into a big fight and everybody's like okay we we we're, we're dealing with this big fight right and the main player who's supposed to be in this revenge plot is supposed to be involved in this fight this fight and they just got you know they had to bail you know for whatever reason part of the building falls down so now you're separated from the other side you have you have to work your way over to it you know but it's and it's there mm-hmm. but now you have this other crap to deal with easily done Mm -hmm. you're separated from that party member maybe you know again the earth shifts and cracks and they have to go a different way or something falls apart if it's wider than that meaning like you're you're on a chase or you're trying to hunt something down rain delay ships delayed orders delayed there's all kinds of ways to delay a scene Mm -hmm. to give yourself one or two more episodes even to get back into track and pull everything right back to where it was
0: yeah that's probably what I would have done in our situation. I, I actually had the, like the whole opening was written, um, leading into uh, Heatsink's character, Dendo mm-hmm. uh, um, and Duthalian, and like the whole plot was dedicated to him. And then he get called into work literally twenty minutes after the start of our game. Yep. Um, and that's probably what I would have had to have done is, is just say, okay, the uh, the soiree that was going to take place tomorrow night is now going to take place in three nights. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? Well, he prepares for this.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. He's got to get
0: clothes. He's got to get things. You he's know, g- he's going to make some social connections and do a little more digging for information. Mm-hmm. What is the rest of the group doing? You yep. know. Yep. Exactly. And then I've had to wing the entire thing, but you know, I've been in tougher situations.
1: We've talked. We've talked about winging it. Yep. So, <laughs>
0: uh, what can be done to avoid a situation? You can't. You can't. You, you can't. cannot if, avoid. Think things happen. Life happens. And, and that's
1: true whether or not it's a personal plot or just a character involved in the main plot that needs to be yeah. there
0: and, and it, it, look it sucks but ultimately you gotta remember it's a game yeah and, and game games games come after yep. real life concerns
1: and I'm know? always gonna say this don't not play you've got other people at that table who have waited just as long to do something yep play yep play Alright,
0: uh I think this is the first question we've uh we've gotten from this uh a new new Discord member. Yep, um Relatively. Uh, Miki Katze, mm-hmm. Or Miki for short. Yep. Um Miki asks, uh, what can I do when some of my players' characters have an elaborate backstory that I could easily transform into several plot points, but others gave me hardly anything and might get disappointed when I cannot focus on their past the same way.
2: Okay.
1: I have my opinions, I'm gonna let you go first.
0: Okay. So I think there's two concerns here. Mm -hmm. Um, One is how much your players have given you to work with. Mm -hmm. But another is how much do your players want you to involve their backstory? Mm -hmm. Um, The reason you may not have gotten a lot from some of those players is because they don't care. Mm-hmm. some players genuinely do not are not there to explore the backstory of their characters they're looking forward mm-hmm. they're looking at the road in front of them they want to see what you know what 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 open skies their ship is going to fly into what strange new worlds and new civilizations they're going to explore what dungeons are they going to delve what is down that alley what does their cyberpunk fixer have for them this week mm-hmm. you know they're not they're not worried about you know, talking about the, 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 things in the past of their other, other characters. Yep. Um, others, uh, I mean like your, your wife's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a discussion with her. I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I dedicated like four sessions to going through, you know, nothing but ripping apart your husband's character's soul. Um, would you like, you know, how do you feel about, you know, your character's involvement? And she was like, eh, I don't really need it. But, like, it might be fun to delve into it for, like, a session or two. But, like, I don't really need a huge thing. Just keep keep doing your plot. And if you want to throw something in for me as a B plot, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. So I did. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're going to be resolving that one this next game session. Which is fantastic. Um, and things like that. And then, uh, you know, again, some, some want to look forward. Some want to look backwards.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes your, your, uh, your backstory is there not to give you past skeletons to dig out and put in front of them Mm -hmm. but to serve as a catalyst for future events yep okay it's just there to say x y and z happened to me in the past and that's why i am the way i am yep that's it i don't need you to dig up you know this this old rival of mine or my childhood friend or Mm -hmm. anything like that just understand that that's where my motivations came from and put something in front of me that serves those motivations mm-hmm. that questions them or plays with them or allows me to use X, Y, or Z ability that I think is fun or whatever,
2: you know? Yep. That's
0: it.
1: I, I agree with everything that you just said. Yay! I'm gonna take a little spin 200 on episodes. 200 episodes. We got episodes. Simpatico. What I'm gonna say is this. <laughs> um, reading through that uh, Miki, I would say number one you have a plot. That you're regardless of what your players are putting together, you have a very you should always have a meat and potatoes plot. Something simple. Your session zero outlays what the world feels like, what the setting feels like, and what that simple paragraph plot should be for your players. When they hand you, you know, one one player hands you a novel, and two other players barely even get through a uh 20 questions or five questions or even bonds like they're they're just there for the loot that is fine because they don't know Mm -hmm. they don't know their investment and they may have no investment or they may suddenly have investment after session two the point is is that the history is there to uh, to be the sprouts and bulbs that pop up in the garden that you've just started But you've already planted what you want to be there. What's out there for them to go and explore and discover. And every once in a long line, something's going to pop up because it's interesting. But the only reason why it pops up is because a player helped you bring it about. Mm -hmm. It should always be that way. Um, time that you look at a character's history and you're like, oh man, he was an ex, you know, he was the son of a noble who was deposed. Okay, that'll fit directly with my villain who is also deposed. Maybe that's his father, you know? No. Stop. Don't do that. Back it up. You're writing a book. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't, they may not give two shits because their focus is that they wanted the noble Background, And that was a way for them to get noble background in their mind, Mm -hmm. you know, or they're maybe they're 100% mimicking a character like, I don't know, you know, Vash the Stampede because they thought he was really cool. They don't care about his backstory because this isn't Vash in that world. This is Vash in this world. Right. So they just mimicked something up and now they're seeing what it's like in this world. Mm hmm move forward, help them move forward. Otherwise you're just going to get a loop and it will feel very dull to everyone else at the table. But if four sessions in people are very interested in each other or very much exposing themselves. Now you've got things to latch on to. There are ladies present that can fold into your plot mm -hmm. and into that thread and keep things going. So yes, it is great to have creativity that comes from the, the histories of the other players at the table But inevitably, you need to focus on the plot that you're presenting, the meal that you're bringing to the table. Always remember your meal. That's my point. Well spoken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, we have talked a lot because we have have a show.
0: (laughs) Happy 200th. Happy 200th, Rob.
1: So, our 201 is a system spotlight. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, this, we're finally, we're finally coming to this one of all things. kind of
0: excited because this one gets talked about so much in like RPG forums and stuff like that. It's like inevitably every, it's, uh, it's, this game system is, is a little bit like the, uh, what what do they call it? Law. We like is if, if a if a discussion thread goes on for long enough on the internet, inevitably someone will be compared to Hitler or called a Nazi or something like that yes um so this this is kind of the Godwin Godwin's law of RPGs as far as I'm concerned no but- I, re-
1: I remember the chart that was just like I, I want to play an RPG, and at the bottom of of like after every of the twenty thousand questions it all points down to. Blades, Blades in, in the, the dark, dark. <laughs> and you're and like, so I guess we're playing Blades in the Dark. <laughs> we are next next week.
0: We're finally getting around to talking about Blades in the Dark. Um, and uh, something neither of us have played. Yeah, uh, it's it's basically a game about uh, um thievery and daring scoundrels and a fledgling crew and, um. Uh seeking fortunes
1: in the haunted streets of an industrial fantasy city. So Yeah. So please come rejoin us for our two oh one and continuing series on our way to our three hundredth episode. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being along with us on the uh, on the way. You can
0: find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, seven PM Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. Shoot us some, shoot uh, us some questions. Join us in the live chat uh, for for Patreon members and uh we'd love to hear from you uh you can find that link on our twitter as well as our website straight.conclave.com
1: we'd like to thank our patreon members who help us out every single month and help us get through all 300 of these episodes Knox of the box subject sam the arcane asylum sparkle veteran who brought us a lovely cake uh hula and sean we truly appreciate it our pre-show music is by arcane anthems you can find that at uh, patreon.com slash arcane anthems or on instagram uh or on spotify uh our intro music is beyond the warriors by Frog. you can find them at gifrog.bandcamp.com or on google music and our outro music only our footprints in the sand by Midair machine you can find that at freemusicarchive.org and
0: big shout out as always for families Viking and sean thank, thank you so you. much for loving and supporting us all of our friends who've sat with us at our tables to give you these great stories to share with you and you every single one of our listeners who've been with us for 200, 200. episodes <laughs> we love you guys so much love you guys good night
1: good
2: night